You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. Thank you so much. Sorry I've been absent for a while. It's not my fault, though. It's your fault. Made a lack of calls. We've got 10, though, today, and I do think 10 is going to be enough to get us through so I appreciate everybody for uh, calling in. I understand it's a holiday weekend, and um, it's kind of a dead week because you got Christmas, and it's like, all right, Christmas is over, time to get back on track, and it's like, whoa there, buddy, New Year's, huh? Come on, days off and New Year's and stuff. But after New Year's, it is just a long slog of, of misery because uh, the, the cold is just cold. It's not like white Christmas cold or any of that kind of like, oh, there's Christmas lights and it's pretty. No, it's just cold and miserable and dirty and gross and horrible. And stupid. So anyways, um, hoping that's when you all retreat back inside and uh, just sit around listening to the podcast all day, every day, and calling in, and we're just hanging out, having a good time. Why don't we start off with uh, Jacob? What's going on, man? Packernet After Dark. What's going on, everybody? Hope y'all had a very Merry Christmas. Thank you. Uh, Just got done watching the game, and I got one observation for Mr. Ryan and one question. First observation is I really wanted to give Mr. Preston Smith his flowers. I'm not sure what his PFF grade is. Very high. I'm not sure if he actually haven't checked the Pro Bowl roster. I haven't been checking the news this week. I don't know if he's a Pro Bowl alternate, but every time I look up, a guy is stopping somebody in the run game. And, you know, for somebody who was really on the outside looking in, uh, it looks like he's going to be on the team next year and he's a rock star. And my question is, is the offense – the biggest thing holding this team back right now. Because if you get on Twitter and you just look at guys like Peter Bukowski, you'd think, oh, Joe Barry stinks, this and that, the defense is awful. And in reality, like, the defense has kind of done their job to get us to this point. So yeah. that's my question is, is the offense the biggest concern right now for this team? And shout out Preston Smith. Take care and uh, love the show. That is that is a very good question. Thank you for the call. Let's let's do it this way because again, everything comes down to um, compared to expectations, and that's largely what DVOA is. How well did you perform? And they do offense and defense uh, compared to expectations. So let's go back over the last several weeks. I don't know. People keep pulling up like from week fourteen on. Uh, there, it's like I don't know how you're doing that. I can see. Uh, you can do prior, so week four, so one through fourteen, or one through whatever. What I don't know why that's the only thing I can choose, but anyways, doesn't matter. Let's just go week by week and look at it. So week six, and you know what? We can do it by team. That'll be easier. And remember, a for offense positive DVOA is what you want. For defense, negative DVOA is what you want. Week sixteen against Miami offensive DVOA was a negative 12.1. That was one of the worst performances via DVOA that they've put on here. uh, Against Detroit, negative 56. And against the Jets, negative 21. Aside from that, according to Football Outsiders, this was the third worst performance from our offense. Defense, negative 44.3, which would mean 
44.3% better than your average defense. They have this as our best defensive performance of the season. Uh, Week 15, offensive DVOA is a 33.4. Defensive DVOA, negative 19.8. So the offense was better, but still, again, um, you've got 20% better than your average team. And, And the reason I love this, especially with LA, is that what is everybody saying about LA? It doesn't count because it's LA. No, 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 no. This adjusts for the fact that it's the Rams. Given that it's the Rams, they still did 33.4% better than your average team. The defense did 19.8% better than your average team, even considering this. Now, the Bears, offense 15.3% better, defense 23.7% worse. It was a positive 23.7, so the defense sucked. Week 12, 28% for the offense, 17% worse for the defense. Tennessee, negative three for the offense, negative 26 for the defense. So really, as far as the defense is concerned, two of the three best games of the season have been the last two weeks. Uh, The only game where the defense was better than the last two weeks, uh, the second best game of the season was week nine against Detroit. So I guess if we're talking just past the bye week, I think you've got a point. But that's only really because the offense was really bad this week, and that's kind of an outlier because, um, and, and Tennessee's also there, but as I've said, since week 10, the offense has figured it out, not including the Miami game or the Tennessee game, I guess, 42, 28, 15, and 33 is how much better they've been than your average offense. And again, Tennessee was an outlier because, um, you know, the, the the really good run defense and everything, I kind of expected that. Miami is a bit of a surprise with, again, the offense not doing what it needed to do. Um, But generally speaking, the offense has been quite good since week 10. It's hard to make a general statement about is the offense holding the defense back. You could say that in this last game against Miami for sure. Um, But prior to the bye, it was the offense dragging the defense. So now we're in a spot where it's like, okay, is the defense ready to go? Um. And then the offense isn't, but it's hard to pin the offense on this because, again, against the Rams, that was the, what, third, fourth best game that the offense played all year? It was the third best. So if nothing else, I mean, we should be encouraged by the fact that it's only a two-game sample size, but in that time, two of the three best defensive performances have come after the bye, and our third best offensive performance came after the bye. The only negative of the entire team after the bye was the offensive performance Um of the Packers against Miami. And, and, and as we probably pretty well know, that's largely because of what happened in the first half. Not to say the second half was, was as good as it should have been, but it was certainly a lot better. But anyways, yeah, the uh, two of the three best defensive performances came after the bye. It's worth considering what exactly might have changed during the bye, some of the thoughts, philosophies, what changes have taken place. It's a two-game sample size, but still... Pretty significant, especially when the defense seems to have given up to have their two best games come right after the bye. Anyways, very good call. Thank you for that. Hey, Ryan. Brandon. Hey. Um, calling in. Me and my son actually drove down to Miami and went to the game. Um, weather was beautiful for football. Nice. Um, clouds were out, no sunshine at all. A little chilly, but... Great. Um, never in that game did we feel, as a, at least the fans around in our section, did we feel like the game was over or that it was lost. Um, That's surprising. Didn't understand was the fake punt. That kind of left us uh, slack-jawed for a little bit. But uh, the, the turnover before halftime and getting that field goal, just knowing that you know, we double dip being the end of the year, being cold in Miami. Um, once we came out and got that touchdown for half, the game was in the stadium. You could tell that the momentum was, was going in Green Bay's favor, and the defense just clamped down. It was like a python just squeezing. Um, it was a really good defensive performance to watch at least in person so um given my uh 
my take on it. Um, as far as the stadium goes, Hard Rock, I I liked it. It was a, a decent stadium to sit. Not a bad seat in the house, from what I could tell. And getting out of the stadium and leaving was probably one of the quickest uh, escapes <laughs> from the stadium I've had. So, anyhow, uh, go pack, go. We're gonna ride this wave right into the playoffs. Uh, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. You and yours. Call back when I feel like it. That's the spirit. I appreciate that. That's that's again. I'm I'm surprised, and maybe maybe you're not alone. I don't know. It was just me and uh, my son sitting here. But I know at halftime. Uh, again, when I saw the score, I realized, okay, uh, this is definitely not over. I mean, it's, it's a one score game. I think is what it was. Um, and but but there was no question who the better team was. I mean, it felt like it should have been thirty five to three going into half. It was just so bad. And, and I was stunned to find out we were only down by a score. And, and again, realizing they could come out the second half and just be somewhat competent and win this game. I wanted to point one thing out, though, because everybody's talking about the, uh, you mentioned how good the defense was, especially in the second half. And I, I want to look at this because the emphasis is purely on um, just the interceptions. That was the only thing that, that changed. The first half, Tua was 9 of 12, for 229 yards and a touchdown. The second half, he was 7 of 13 for 81 yards, zero touchdowns, and three picks. Even without the three interceptions, I understand the interceptions and drives, although one of them was almost all the way down into the end zone anyways. He only had seven completions for 81 yards in the second half. But let's not forget that passing isn't the only thing that happens in the NFL. First half, rushing attack. Uh, Raheem Mostert, four attempts, 33 yards. Um, da, 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 that's good enough. The uh, Jeff Wilson five attempts, twenty five yards. That's eight point three yards per attempt for Mostert. Five yards per attempt for Jeff Wilson. Second half, Raheem Mostert four attempts, twelve yards. Jeff Wilson four attempts, twelve yards. That's three yards per carry each. This wasn't just you know you got lucky with with three interceptions. The defense did, as you said, clamp down. From end to end, less receptions, less completions, less yards. And, and this is not less attempts. It was, it was nine carries compared to eight carries in the second half. So again, very good call. Thank you so much. Dan, what's going on, man? Hey, Brian. This hey. is Dan from Sierra Vista, Arizona. Love it. It's uh, Monday. Got to appreciate watching the game yesterday. Let me Great. tell you how that went. I went to a friend's place who put on a pretty big spread for everybody. He's a lifelong Dallas fan, down to his very being, and despises the Packers worse than any other team. <laughs> but he's hosting a party. This longtime couple, our lifelong... Keep pausing the wrong freaking one. Uh, I tell you what, it's actually kind of nice to be so hated. I, I, I used to not super like it, um, but it is kind of funny because it really just goes to show how long the Packers have been a good football team. Like, I... Obviously, Bears fans hate Packer fans more than anything else. Vikings fans hate Packers more than anything else. But I was talking to a Lions guy, and I was like, you know, we don't really even dislike you. You know? Nobody even really dislikes the Lions all that much. And he's like, oh, we hate you. And I was like, well, I guess that makes sense. Dallas. Dallas has their own stuff going. They got Philly. They got, uh, I guess, Washington and the Giants or whatever. But they hate the Packers. Probably for the same reason we hate the 49ers. But... Um, it's just, it's kind of funny. It's kind of nice because the, the hate comes from your team being really good. Anyways. So the Viking fans who, as you can guess, despised the Packers. Yeah. And another friend who was there was a Detroit Lions fan. Yeah. So he didn't like the Packers either. However, his girlfriend was born in Wisconsin and she does like the Packers. So he had to keep it in check. There you go. I love it. They all felt bad for me during the first half and Maybe that's the key. You have to have a female Packer fan there because most people tone it down a little bit. You know what I mean? You, you got you to gotta take a little bit off. I'm just saying. They were like, oh, yeah, the refs are making terrible calls. You guys are getting ripped off. But then somehow we got a field goal before half, and we were only down a touchdown, and we were going to get the ball first in the second half. And then they started cheering against the Packers. And uh, luckily, we were able to pull that game out. But some of the things I noticed on it, um, when we lost Keyshawn Nixon, 
our return game turned into hot garbage again. Yeah. Randall Cobb looked like he had cement shoes on back there. <laughs> And you could tell Romeo Doves didn't want nothing to do with kick returns. He looked so timid coming out of the end zone with the ball. Uh, he was just trying not to get hurt. Although I'm curious why they don't put Samara Tori on kick returns, because I know he did that at Nebraska, so it's a whole different mentality. But outside of that, uh, I didn't know what happened to uh, Watson, but from what I heard, they had mentioned that he had a, a hip injury. So hopefully it's not too bad. And other things I noticed when Yashinaima went out, yeah, the whole right side of the offensive line just fell apart. We cannot go against the Vikings with Royce Newman playing right tackle. Yeah. Because when he plays tackle, it don't matter who's playing guard. They look like hot trash, too. Has anybody posed the theory of putting Elton back? Just out of curiosity? I mean, it's, it, it still leaves us with some question marks because then we might be putting Royce inside and then Runyon back to the other side unless Bakhtiari comes back, in which case maybe Zach Tom could play left guard. I don't know. I don't hate the idea of putting Elton back there. And I, I understand we might be causing more problems if Elton kind of falls off again because he's just not really in that swing of being a tackle. Then we have a bad right tackle and a bad left guard as opposed to a good left guard. It's It's you probably want to stick with moving the least amount of pieces possible, but you also want to get your best five out there. And I, I st- I'm still a believer of Elton at, at tackle. I know he struggled early this year, but I think he would have struggled at guard. In fact, he did struggle at guard. Um, I think it had more to do with him getting back in the swing. Bakhtiari was the same. His first three games were not great, and then he's just been great ever since. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I think it'll probably be Royce again, um, but... It'll be interesting to see who's going to play and who's not, and then how we'd sort out the best five. And if he plays guard, whoever plays tackle looks like hot trash. Yeah. So here's a couple thoughts. Do we keep Zach Tom at left tackle? And there you if, go. And if Bach can go, do we put him at right tackle? That's a good or point. do we put him back at left? and? Move- I mean, Bach would definitely be left. The question is, would they put Zach Tom at right? And I don't know if they would, but at the same time, it's like, well, I don't know. You don't really want to put a guy at right. He hasn't really practiced it. We're talking about Royce here. No no disrespect to Royce. I mean, I'm sure he's a good dude, and thank you for coming in and filling in when we need you and everything, but let's be completely honest. That is not a good situation. And as much as I'm picking on the Vikings for having a bad defense and Darius has only got one sack in the last like five weeks or something, I think he has two in the last nine or whatever, but... Um, Zadarius and Daniil basically lead the league in, in pressures for the season. Um, I don't think it's number one, number two, but I think they're both at least top five. I mean, they, they are pressure machine. They always have been, but that's what they are. They're, they're going to get some pressures. So, um, yeah, you, you don't want to go limping out there with a subpar tackle if you can help it, would be my suggestion. Who's that, Tom the right? Either way, we can't go into that game with Royce Newman playing on the offensive line, or we're going to get crushed. Um, other than that, uh, next year, Cobb got to be gone unless they put him on the coaching staff as an assistant receivers coach, and Lazard should probably be the slot receiver. And Watson and Dobbs got to be the starters with Turi as a backup and probably drafts another guy to bring in with speed again because you can tell the other receivers are just so slow. Yeah. Defense. He's got a, another call here in a second, but – to that point, I, I do think it's fair to start looking at that because I do think Randall's gone. Um, I don't know if Lazard is going to be the big slot. Maybe he will. Maybe that'll be the thing. But I also think it wouldn't be the worst idea to start looking into a, a solution, a, a better solution. Um, I don't know if maybe Bo Melton is the future at in the slot. He hasn't really been a slot guy, but he's 5'11", 189, blazing fast. He's kind of like a like a mini, not not a mini Randall Cobb. He's like a he's like a regular Randall Cobb, just blazing freaking fast. But um, talk more about that tomorrow. More or less, trying to get people to calm down and not be overhyped. But sometimes when I talk about him, I get excited. I can't help it. But um, the heck was I talking about? Oh yeah, and and you know I don't know if you invest a first round or second round even pick in that because we're talking slot. We're talking you know how often do you even go three wide receivers? You know, but fourth round or whatever, when you're talking pure slot guys, they usually fall in the draft anyways for that reason, the fact that they're not going to be out there all the time. So you can get a top slot guy in the, you know, late second, early third round, get get a good enough slot guy. 
Or, you know, maybe you do go early and you, you take the kid out of uh, Ohio State and Jigba and, um, you know, he's he's primarily a slot guy and you put him in there and you don't ask him to be your number one, which I don't know that he would really thrive in that situation anyways. You have him out there and you say, listen, we got Christian, we got Dobbs and we got you and we're, we're looking for three guys that can really perform at a high level at what it is we're asking you to do. We're not asking anybody to be Devontae. We're asking each of you to take a little piece of what Devontae brought to this team, with the exception of Christian. He's kind of in his own category, I think. But you take a little piece of that. We're splitting Devontae into three people, and you guys are going to take that role, and you're going to be able to do that. I don't even know where he's at. I know he was like one of the highest, and now he's sliding. Um, where is he at right now? Yeah, he's sitting at 19. That's right around where the Packers are probably going to be. That would be kind of dope, man. I, I'm... I shouldn't do this. I I, I got to stay focused, but I'm going to, I've already done it. I'm going to go watch some Jigba highlights just to get excited. Yes, just highlights. I'm not going to watch film. Oh, he's actually projected right now to go to the Packers at 17 is where, is uh, based on NFL mock draft database, which is a fantastic website. Way too long and I can never remember the name of the site, but um, he should, he should try to buy like a uh, NMDD or something. NMDDB, MDDB, mock draft database. One of those has got to be available. Maybe not. It's four-letter. If you do the five-letter one, NMDDB might be available.com. Kind of like Pro Football Focus used to be profootballfocus.com, and then they went out and got pff.com, and that makes everybody's life easier because it just redirects. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I just, I'm not going to watch film. I just want to get excited about guys. Worry about the film later, because right now there's only one guy I like, and that's uh, the running back. So sometimes you got to juice up those highlights to get excited and then then kind of work whittle it down with reality you know what's actually funny the the first play of this highlight i'm not going to take you through the whole thing of the highlights I'm, I'm just i'm just pointing this out the very first play of the highlight was a fake wide receiver screen where Njigbo was pretending to be blocking and then he released across the field that just feels like a a, a matt lafleur thing doesn't it because they run those screens all the time you run a, a fake screen where you're pretending to kind of block and then you just kind of slip by the guy and i think the sticking point for me is just going to be that if you're going to draft Njigba. In the first round, he's going to be a slot slash boundary guy. That is to say, he's in the slot, and then he goes to the boundary when you have two wide receivers. I can't imagine benching your first-round guy. And, and granted, they'll rotate in and out, but I don't know. I, I just I think Dobbs and, and Watson are kind of the future of this. But And yeah, the highlights aren't necessarily doing it for me. I, I don't have anything against him. It's just there's nothing that's like, dang, this guy's crazy. It's mostly just he's running in wide-open areas and catches a pass and then just runs not his fault that it happens to be a wide open space it's just you know it's not like when you watch justin jefferson and he kills people off the line it's like dang this is just a guy running across the middle of the field wide open and catches a pass and it's like oh, that's that's uh, about what you should have done there i guess i don't know anyways let's get to the second part of your call hey sorry this is dan again i hey. got cut off from there i guess i went a little too long i just want to add one other thing with uh rogers I'm getting close to 60 years old, and, you know, when you get around that age, your eyes have already started to get worse, and you feel like you can't hear anything when you're in a room surrounded with a lot of noise. Mm -hmm. Although they'll tell you there's nothing wrong with your hearing. They'll tell you it's as you age, your mind or your brain is not able to process all the surrounding noise and pick certain things out like you can when you're younger. Okay. And that's kind of what Rogers looks like out there. When everybody's lined up, he looks like he's got the whole thing figured out but as soon as things go into motion it's like his mind there's too much chaos and he just can't process it quick enough and he makes poor decisions and just tends to lock on the one guy it's because fair. he's not able to process it like he could when he was younger that's just what i see um and maybe his vision ain't as great as it once was <laughs> and he ain't seeing some of the guys out there but i don't know curious about your thoughts and just happy that's back one game on christmas so go pack go yeah, I obviously can't speak to whether or not that's actually a thing for him um, as far as old age or whatever, but um, it does feel that way. And, and again, the problem is I would have to go back and watch him in 2010, 2011, in these different times and see, was it actually different or did this style of play just work then and it doesn't now? In other words, a lot of it, I think, is based on pre-snap um, decisions. He's looking at their defense. He's looking at where we're at. There might be one question that needs answering. You know, if, if the safety comes or drops or, you know, I'm looking for one indicator after I snap this ball to decide if I'm going that way or this way. 
And it might even just be with that one wide receiver. If he does this, I want you to do that. If he does this, I want you to do this. Either way, the ball's coming to you. I don't know. Uh, I know that obviously he's going to work a lot more with Devontae, so it's possible he's been doing this all through his MVP stretch. Um, in fact, it's probably likely because it was mostly just going to Devontae. And we even saw it several times where he would, especially in games that were really tough games, like against the 49ers and whatnot, he was overly reliant. And we'd see wide open receivers, and what is he doing? He's throwing to triple cover Devontae. And we're like, why are you doing that? Well, maybe he was doing it all year. It just doesn't work against teams like the 49ers. I don't know. That's the only thing that's getting me to the point where I can't definitively say I agree that Rodgers has fallen off this year. Maybe he hasn't fallen off. Maybe all that's really happened is that the Rodgers that has been the same Rodgers since he got here isn't able to function as well in this style of offense as he has in the past when, let's be honest, he's had top-tier wide receivers and usually a really good offensive line pretty much every single year he's been here. And he has a, a very, very... Um, impressive skill set, but it isn't necessarily the case that everybody that's great is great at everything. Maybe certain people that are great are great at certain things. I mean, even even look at uh, the guy out in Buffalo, Josh Allen. Now, maybe it's just year three, he figured it out and he's great no matter what, or maybe it's that Buffalo figured out what he needed and added one of the premier wide receivers in, in the league, and they just figured out how to play Josh Allen style, and now this is the Josh Allen offense. And if Josh Allen were dropped on another team, maybe he'd suck. Pat Mahomes, like I've said a thousand times, his stats suck. He's really inaccurate. He throws a lot of interceptions, a lot of turnover-worthy plays. But he also has some really impressive things that he does. And Andy Reid gets nowhere near the credit he deserves because of Pat Mahomes being as quote-unquote good as he is. Don't mean to take it away, but let's just call it what it is. But they've got one of the most creative offenses, one of the greatest offensive minds in the league right now with Andy Reid. And I don't know for sure that if you take Pat Mahomes, not that he isn't a significant upgrade over most quarterbacks anyways, but maybe you put him in a different style of offense, it doesn't work quite as well. Maybe it does. I don't know. I'm just saying. Rodgers has been a certain kind of quarterback, and that kind of quarterback has been one of the most impressive that anybody has ever seen. But now this is the most unique offense he's probably ever been a part of. Not only does he have a lack of familiarity with anyone, but he doesn't have that premier receiver. Even if you say Christian is a premier receiver, which is somewhat questionable, there's no real chemistry, and so it's still going to cause some problems. But anyways, I, I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, I feel like we've kind of attacked this. I've attacked this from as many ways as I possibly can. I think it's very clear to me that we're not seeing the same high-quality play from Rodgers as we've seen in the past, but I as weird as it sounds, can't say that this is a different Rodgers than we've seen. I think it's potentially the same Rodgers with a different result, but I'm I'm very open to the idea that it could just be a worse Rodgers. And yes, it could be partly because of his thumb, could be because of a lack of trust, could be because guys are running the wrong routes, could be a lot of different things. I don't really know. I just see the result, and the result is painfully obvious that it's not as good. Hey, what's going on, Ryan? Chris from Alabama, man. Hey. Uh, didn't get a chance to call yesterday, but I had to call and tap in. I haven't listened to anything yet, but I am so anxious to hear what all these old negative nasties got to say now. <laughs> all these people that didn't give us a shot. All these people that were saying there was no chance in... H-E double hockey sticks that we were going to win this game. How do you feel today? How do all of y'all feel, Packer fans or non-Packer fans feel, to see that performance yesterday? That was a great second half. I think that is the best I've seen the defense play in that second half. Yeah. Uh, all year. Yep. All year. Man, I mean, great, great second half. I mean, uh, Rasul, man, Rasul was getting cooked all day. And, and when when it was the chip was on the line, he came through. Came through with the uh, game, game clinching pick. The third one of the day off tour. Yeah, man, that's a great win, man. Everything falling our way. I don't know, man. I, you know, the, the, the hope meter goes up and up every week, man. I, I don't think I'm about to have a tank right now, boy. And, uh, I really like our chances to get Minnesota, but I wanted to call in, man, 
because I know there's a lot of people negative out there talking all that trash about how we didn't stand a chance. How y'all feeling today, man? Go pack, go, man. Hey, and I, and and them playoffs looking 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 real close, and they looking real nice, and I think we about to. I don't know, Ryan. We might sneak in there, man. I don't know. I don't know. Well, anyway, talk to you later, man. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously a huge week because we can more or less clinch it this week. I mean, we we still have to beat Detroit, but uh, the more I look into that, the less I'm concerned about the Lions. Um, I don't know that they're going to beat the Bears. They probably will, but I think that'll be closer than people are thinking. Um, But beyond that, everything I've heard about when the Lions look bad, why is it? It's on the road. It's stopping the run. It's everything that makes the Packers good. It's at home. It's when we can run the ball, et cetera, et cetera. but anyways, I mean, if, if, for example, if Washington were to lose, which I don't think they will, and the Vikings also lose, I guess, if the Packers win, um, as far as I'm concerned, we're in. I mean, it's it, at, at that point, it gets to be where it was Packers in the Super Bowl against the Steelers. There was no doubt in my mind we were going to win the Super Bowl. There was zero, because it was impossible for us to overcome everything we overcame to get that far to get into the Super Bowl just to lose it. I've, I was... I had no confidence against Atlanta. I had zero confidence of us even getting into the playoffs or anything else. And we got in and we beat Philly and we beat, I forget who was he. There was another team, wasn't there? Philly and then somebody and then Atlanta. And then we, oh, it was the Bears. It was Philly and then Atlanta and then Chicago, I think. Um, Because that was the NFC North Championship. But anyways, it just, there was no way. We're going to go through all that, and that's going to be the case next week. Now, we'll see if, if Washington wins, then it's not. But if everything falls in line and the only thing that's in our way is Detroit at home, there's just no way. I mean, I'm going to be a nervous wreck, but uh, yeah, as far as everybody else, it seems like most people are are kind of, uh, not necessarily backpedaling. We want them to backpedal, but they're sort of uh, re- some revisionist history going on. First of all, Miami is the most explosive offense. You know, like you said, Packers don't stand a chance. I played the clips for you. You heard them say it. ESPN especially. ESPN is very anti-Packers, I've realized, at least down the stretch here. But um, now it's, oh, it, it, first of all, Tua, it, now that we found out he had a concussion, Tua was concussed and the, the Dolphins collapsed and they're not that good and the Packers aren't good. And... They're even protecting themselves down the stretch. They'll probably get in, but it won't matter because they suck and they're going to lose. So even so, so now they're in a position. No, 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 not everybody. Tomorrow you're going to hear I play a clip from Michael Irvin. He's saying the Packers are done this week. The Vikings are going to beat them. It's not going to matter. But anyways, a lot of the guys now are saying, yeah, they'll probably get in, but it won't matter. So the way that this works is if the Packers win and beat the Vikings, a what are they, 12-13 win team, uh, fourth game in a row that we win. They're going to say, yeah, well, I, I said that would happen. I expected that. It's not a big deal. They still suck. But if they lose, it's going to be, see, I told you they were no good. I told you it was frauds. I t-. So, so, so this has just become <sighs> nonsense, I guess, at this point, where essentially you set the bar as high as you possibly can. And that is to say, either the Packers win the Super Bowl or at least go to the Super Bowl Either the Packers go to the Super Bowl, or I was right that they suck. That's that's stupid. That's really stupid. Um, if the Packers go on to win five games in a row, get into the playoffs, let's say win a game or two games in the playoffs, and then lose in the NFC Championship, you're gonna you're gonna sit there and do a victory lap and say, "See, I told you they weren't gonna win at all." I can do that about anybody. I can do that to the Vikings right now. The Vikings suck. No, they don't. Look at their records. So what? They're frauds. You know what? I can prove it. Yeah, they'll probably beat the Packers. And yeah, they'll probably win again. And yeah, they might even win some games in the playoffs. But you know what they're not going to do? They're not going to win the Super Bowl because they're frauds. If they were legit, they'd have a chance. They don't have a chance. And all that needs to happen is they lose one game in the playoffs. It doesn't matter if they even go to the Super Bowl. As long as they lose, I'm going to sit there and do victory laps and say, see, I told you. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. If you want to honestly say the Packers suck, then sack up, man up, and say they're going to lose this week like you did last week when you were wrong. Do it again. So you know what? That was a fluke. Miami crapped the bed. The Packers do suck, and we're going to find out this week because I'll tell you right now, the, the Vikings who lose to almost nobody this entire year, 
You're telling me you have no confidence in the, in the Vikings to win this game? Why? If the Packers are as bad as you say they are, you should be man enough to be able to stand there and say, like Michael Irvin did, they will not win this game. Stand on it. Don't do this cowardly BS and say, yeah, they suck, but they're probably going to get in. And then even if you're wrong and they don't get in, you're going to call that a victory and say you were right. But if they go on a five-game win streak, including beating Miami, the Rams who just put up 54 freaking points on the Broncos, who are a top five, top 10 defense, put up 55, 54 points, whatever that was. Yeah, but, but we beat that team, so that doesn't mean anything apparently and we beat the Vikings, and we beat the Lions, who have been a relatively hot team, and we get into the playoffs, you're still going to call it a victory if we lose in the playoffs and, and say that that proves your point that the Packers are no good. I think that's cowardly. I think if you want to be a man, you stand up and you say, no chance this team get, gets in. Yes, they beat Miami. That was a fluke. Tua got concussed, and he threw three picks. They will not go on a run to beat the Vikings and the Lions. You know why? Because they're not good. Most of them are not doing that right now. I will respect people a little more if they will stand on it and do that. They will not win. And if they do, then I will admit that I was wrong. Not necessarily that they're Super Bowl contenders, but when I said that they sucked in those two games that they won against the Rams and the Bears, that that didn't mean anything, and the the game against Miami didn't mean anything, if they win this week, I will admit I was wrong. They won't do that. They won't. They should, but they won't. Anyways, Chris, always appreciate the calls, my man. Why don't we take a break here? We've got a couple more to get through. Uh, five, in fact, so we're right on track. We will take a break. We will be right back with some Joe the Janitor. Shalom. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Joe, the janitor. What's up, man? From Connecticut. Hey. How's it going, bud? Good. How are you? Anyways. All right. Um, Rude. I'm uh, still, still hung over from the Miami Dolphins game. Understood. Uh, you know, that feeling's really good. Um, it's exciting to 
be playing playoff football right now. Never thought this would have happened um, uh, during that five-game skid yep. where we were all literally saying to fire Rodgers, fire everybody. By the way, can why does nobody want to acknowledge that that five-game losing streak changed everything? Everybody wants to say that the Packers are bad, the winning is the outlier here. Mm, why? They went on a three-game winning streak. They were, they were three and four to start the season. Then they had a five-game losing streak when they were at their absolute worst. Their offense was in shambles. Their defense was in shambles. Everything went, fell apart. Don't know why. Don't exactly know what happened. By the way, some of the teams were getting hot at weird times. New England suddenly was a hot team. The Giants were suddenly a hot team. The Jets were suddenly a hot team. they since fallen off completely, but they had these weird stretches where they were real good right when we still hadn't quite figured anything out. It was a five-game slump, but we started 3-1 uh, and one, with the only loss being a week one collapse against Minnesota, which makes sense. And since the five-game losing streak, we are now, what, 4-2? and two? But for some reason, we have to fixate on that five-game losing streak and say that that defines the Green Bay Packers. Why? It, 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 I mean, I know, I know you can't just remove it, but if you if you did sort of lessen your opinion of that five-game losing streak in terms of how it relates to the Green Bay Packers overall, who would even be challenging the Packers right now? Who would even be doubting the Packers right now? Not not again. Yeah, 49ers are better, and the and the Bills and the Chiefs they're better. Fine, Philly's better. Yeah, got it. But in terms of them actually being a, a legitimate playoff contender, that wouldn't be in question right now. It's only in question because they had that that BS five game losing streak that had you know our offensive line was in shambles. Rodgers had just busted up his thumb. Watson was gone and had not been a part of the offense. We lost Romeo Dobbs in that stretch. We had lost Alan Lazard for part of the time. I don't even know when exactly that happened. Maybe he was back by then. Um, Sammy Watkins was a primary receiver, although I think we lost him for a period of time. Elton Jenkins, was he just came back, and he was playing like garbage. David Bakhtiari was gone for a part of it and then came back, and he hadn't gotten to his rhythm yet. Everything was a disaster at that point in time. By the way, our defense had just decided to give up, so we didn't have anything. And our special teams wasn't doing anything yet. At this point in the season, everybody wanted Rich Bisaccia fired because even this guy couldn't fix it. The five-game losing streak is the reason that nobody respects the Packers, and there's nothing about that team during that five-game losing streak that has anything to do with the Green Bay Packers of today. Rodgers is better. The run game is better. The offensive line is better. The wide receivers are better. The defense, apparently, somehow, is better at least the last two weeks. So, anyways, sorry, go ahead. Um, I still don't like Joe Barry, but I guess the defense has been doing a little bit better, at least at the end of every game. Uh, But I'm excited for this Minnesota Vikings game. You know, we hate the Vikings. We got two home games coming up. It's it's playoff football. You yeah. know, the commanders are going to drop one of those games. I mean, um, it's bound to happen. So it, it's going to be on us um, pushing through. And I think we could beat the Vikings. Um, but looking forward to it. This is, a good, uh, this is an exciting season. The highs and the lows. Um, not like the last couple of years where, you know, you, when we lost a game, one game you lose, and we were furious. And um, now it's kind of like you expect to lose. You want to win. I don't know. It's a, it's a different type of season, and I'm excited. I'm all in. Let's go to the let, let's go to home and, and beat the the Vikings. Do the I'll call back eventually. I'm sure. Um, shalom. Shalom. Yeah, it is a weird, very weird season. Um... They, when you had mentioned that that the, the you know the postseason starts now, it just it again. I understand this is a different team, but the first thing it made me think of was when we went our, on our Super Bowl run because for us the postseason did begin several weeks earlier. I mean, for us the playoffs started two weeks ago, which is crazy. To win that many games just to win a Super Bowl is wild. I mean, it's hard to win even if you get that first round by. You still got to win what three, four in a row. There's a lot of games you got to win in a row, and it's hard for anybody to do that. Only one team in the NFL does it. Um, but you know, for the Packers, they need to. They're they're in the playoffs, 
and they won in the wild card. They won in the next round. I don't know what all these rounds are going to be called because they all have different, uh, you know, obviously we got several <laughs> names we need to come up with. Uh, we we won a third game in a row. We got to win a fourth and then a fifth, and then we're in the actual playoffs, but really it's just a continuation of the playoffs for us, but it was the same situation in 2010. We, we The playoffs didn't start when the playoffs started. We, we were one loss and you're out probably two to three weeks prior to that. Um, and they just kept winning, even though nobody really counted them in. And, and I know the numbers folks will say, no, that's, that's, you know, if you look at point differential, if you look at the team, it was actually a very good team. Their record wasn't great, but it was actually a very good team. And they, everybody should have expected them to be where they are. And that's different than where we are now. Fair enough. But also we need to kind of get a better idea of where we actually are right now. Um, if the offense plays like crap again, then all right, yeah, maybe maybe it's just not going to be a thing. But the defense, the last two weeks, I mean, it's a very late buy, which is part of the problem. If things have changed after the buy to improve the team, there's going to be a very small window and sample size to be able to say this is what our team is. Um, but if we have three weeks in a row of a, of a quality defense, the defense getting hot right at the postseason is a perfect, perfect thing for us. And we just need more consistency from the offense. And at that point, are we the Super Bowl favorites? No, but are we an absolute playoff contender and, and, and a, a playoff team? Yes, we are. We're better than the Vikings. We're better than Dallas. We're better than Washington and the Giants and Seattle and whatever other stupid teams are going to be in there. Um, I would say we're competitive with teams like Philadelphia and um, some some of the other, I mean, even, even Buffalo and, and things like that. Because remember, yeah, we lost to Philly. I understand that, but the defense wasn't doing what the defense was doing at this time. We scored 33 points against them. So uh, good enough to be competitive, which is all you can really ask for. Um, but I don't know if that's where we are. I hope that's where we are. We'll see if that's where we are. It's it's uh, it's been a it's been a very brief period of time, and maybe maybe it's just kind of a, a big fluke. But it's another week to kind of establish that it's December football in Lambeau. If they can't get it done, Lambeau Field in December with the playoffs on the line, it was never meant to be. Bottom line. Hey Ryan, it's Nate. Um, wanted to call in because I was reading an article earlier today, and I don't mean to spoil any like PFF thing that you're going to be doing this week, but I did see the reason I clicked on the article was just talking about um, Devontae Wyatt and how he uh, finally saw an increase in snaps. He actually outsnapped Dean Lowry, um, and he was one of the lowest graded defensive players. I think he graded at like a 59. Um, or like high 50. So, I mean, it could have been worse. Um, I don't know what his actual grade was or if I'm just remembering that wrong or something, or even if the article's right, but I would like to hear if that's accurate and, um, what you, what you think about it. Should we be worried or is it just kind of him, uh, getting extra snaps, maybe learning some more stunts and just not fully grasping it yet? Go back up. Well, the, the Dean Lowry thing was because of the injury to Dean Lowry. And as a result, we're going to be seeing a lot more Devontae Wyatt. Um, and look, Wyatt is is going to have bad games. I mean, he's he's had good and bad games, and that's going to continue. We're going to see more games in the 70s and 80s and probably more games in the 30s and 40s. That's That's been his last four weeks, 36 against Philly, 87 against Chicago, 77 against L.A., and then a 49 against Miami. As far as where he ranked, he was uh, – the fourth lowest out of out of 19 guys. Quay Walker was actually the lowest, then Amos, then Kingsley and Igbari, then Devontae Wyatt. And, and this is the other thing. Um, I don't want to get into this sort of bias because for some people, we, we, we have already negative opinions. For some, we already have positive opinions. And for some, we're just starting to try to set an opinion. And so we'll look at Devontae Wyatt and say, you know what? I just don't think he's going to be very good. Look at how bad he was in this game. But yet you look at Kingsley and Igbare, who was actually graded out worse than he is, and you're like, nah, that dude's good. He'll be fine. He had a bad day. It happens. We we can't have two different standards. Same with Quay. 39 overall grade. Yeah, I mean, he's still he's a rookie. He'll figure it. He's had good I like Quay. Guys have good days and bad days. It just happens. Amos had a terrible day. He has good days. He has bad days. Uh, Christian Watson has had bad days. He's had good days. So I I fully expect that. But... I mean, from what really matters, I mean, it was only 24 snaps, 10 snaps against the run, which is where he was graded out the lowest. Uh, he didn't grade out very well as a pass rusher. However, he had two pressures on 14 attempts, which is quite high. 
Um, I mean, it's 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 only going to be one or two generally. I mean, if it's either going to be if it's one, it's very low. If it's two, it's very high because it's again not many opportunities. But that's that's where you'd want it to be. So um, didn't get any sacks, but he had a hit in a hurry. And 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 listen, I, I think my thing with Devontae White is we know he's raw. We know that he doesn't exactly have an understanding like Wyatt ha- or like Wyatt ha- like Lowry has, like Kenny has, uh, even like Jaron Reed, who's got a lot of years in in NFL with NFL teams and whatnot, an understanding of how all this stuff works. But he is the most gifted player along that defensive line. Without Rashawn Gary along the front, he is by far the biggest freak. He might even be the biggest freak with Rashawn Gary on the defensive line. I'm not sure. So he he can be a game wrecker. And yeah, there's going to be more highs and more lows. But again, my thought is generally, you know, Jaron Reed had a great game this past week, but he's been pretty garbage this year. Kenny Clark has been terrible this year. Dean Lowry has been terrible this year. If if Devontae Wyatt has a bad game, that just means he's playing like everybody else. But it's the upside that I'm excited about. And also, he needs the snaps, bottom line. Um, and he needs to get caught up to speed. And this is the best way for him to learn. The best way is for him to be out there. So um, it's going to be a crash course. We're going to see more Devontae Wyatt. And, and my prediction, honestly, is we're going to see a lot more disruption. And I think, I think Wyatt is going to be a guy that fans are really going to like. Because I think he's going to be a high statistic guy. I think you're going to see him flash a lot but you're not going to see the low side. That's one of the perks of being a defensive tackle, right? If, if there's a big run up the middle, it's like this defense sucks. You don't remember who was, I mean, maybe they'll show the replay. And, oh, dude, Wyatt got blown up. I did see that, I think, once this past week. But generally speaking, you'll see Wyatt get through and, and hit somebody behind the line of scrimmage or get a sack or, or, or chase somebody from behind, and you remember that. The the run play not working because he didn't quite pick up the double team or didn't reach this guy or, or didn't a little slow on this or that or the other. We didn't notice that live during the game. So I, I think we should just expect that he's going to be a little slower on the uptake, uh, but he's also got the potential to be a pretty big game game wrecker. And, and, and I hope that they're giving him the opportunity to uh, go out there and just create some havoc because he's, he's just such a freak and he's so fast and... Um, his ability to hunt the quarterback, if he can just get by the guy, is going to be at, a, at an all-time high. It, it, it actually reminds me of what I said about Christian Watson. If Watson drops one every five passes, but you throw 40-yard bombs to him five times in a game, you're talking about, uh, what, 160 yards, two touchdowns, and a drop? Well, freaking cry about it. You know, if Devontae Wyatt, if, 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 he's, if you just unleash him, and a certain percentage of the time, it, it ends up going poorly because he's over, you know, he's over, he's doing too much or whatever. But on the other hand, he's going to get a really high sack rate, a really high pressure rate. Just do it. Just do it. I mean, the defense, you look at that that uh, game last week against Miami, or, or most games, you, you look at really good defenses, a lot of times you, it, turnovers are a big part of it. Big plays, even the Packers defense when it was at its best. It's because on third down, you had Zadarius Smith and, and Rashawn Gary and Preston who just were just out of their minds. You get a third and nine, it was game over. They were going to get to the quarterback. And then you got Jair and you got all these guys and they're making plays. You got Razul with the picks and you got Jair with the pass breakups and the lockdown. And then you got Zadarius and Preston and Rashawn, or who, depending on the year, um, coming through in the clutch. This slow bleeding down the field, and you know, we while we only gave up three yards on that one and two yards on that one, well, we gave up a fourteen-yard pass. But it's about the big plays, man. It's a, it's you know, you, you want to try to stop big plays on on while you're on defense, but I think you need big plays too. You're stopping the offense from making big plays, but the defense needs to make big plays, and that and that comes from aggression. The problem is most people don't want to be aggressive because that gives the offense opportunities to make big plays. And I think, you know, you look at Miami or well, Miami and Minnesota, they're big play machines and there's a lot of fear. Forget that. Go get him. He'll, he'll make mistakes. He's one of the highest in the league in, in terms of throwing picks this year. He's got a ton of picks. Yeah, he's, he's going to get his, his chunk plays with Jefferson. But you know what? If you, if you can accumulate the sacks and if you can accumulate some picks, if you can be disruptive, Tua through for, geez, what would the first half, what were the stats? Like 229 yards and, uh, was it nine passes or something? 20 some odd, to call it 25 yards per pass, per completion? That's insane. I'm making that number up, but whatever, in that realm, 20 to 30. But you know what? It didn't matter because we got the picks. 
We got the pressures and we got the sacks and we, we did just enough at the right time. That's always been what the Packers, when the, when the Packers have a good defense, that's always what it is. It's not on a play-to-play basis. It's that when the game is on the line, when it matters the most, the guys come through. And that's what they've been the last two weeks. So anyways, I, I think Wyatt is, is a piece of that. He, he's, remember, PFF grades are largely about consistency. How do you perform on a snap-to-snap basis? And what this is telling you is that on a, on a down-to-down basis, he was, he was not good, about a 50. So it's, it's the low end of below average high end of bad, I guess. But let's just give him the space to make mistakes. And uh, just, just I, I'm, I'm just excited to cheer for him for those few times he's going to make plays. And he did this this past week, 14 opportunities. He cashed in on two of them. I think he's just, he's he is seconds away from, if he plays full-time these next two weeks, I'll honestly be kind of surprised if he doesn't get a sack. That's my thought. I mean, he had, he had one last week in six opportunities. So these past, uh, where are we at here? Let's just go the last two weeks. 20, uh, for the season, he has six pressures on 72 attempts, which is not good. But the last two weeks, he has three pressures on 20 attempts, and including a sack. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. So, yes, that's correct, but um, I'm, I'm really not worried. There, there will be a time when I get worried, but now is not that time. Now is the time to get excited because I think he's been disruptive, and that's really all I want from him right now. He can, he can refine that as time goes on. Right now, just be disruptive. Hey, Ryan, this is Dan from Indy. Hey. Um, okay, sorry, got a text message. Um, with Bakhtiari possibly coming back, and if he is good to go for the game on Sunday against the Vikings, what is the likelihood of them putting Zach Tom over at right tackle? Right. Because, I mean, Nigel's been great kind of as a filler guy this year. I mean, he's, he, I know he is the most penalized lineman on the team, but if Nigel's not able to get back in there, um, God, Royce Newman is just a dumpster fire, and I do not want him in there. Like, Zach Tom has to be better than him at, at, at right tackle. He has to. Um, but, yeah, give me your thoughts. Bye. So here's, I guess, the issue, because I, I think the Packers want to stick with what they've done the most. Yash Nyman has been the uh, highest snap guy at right tackle, I guess. After that is Elton Jenkins. So you can say, well, they could put Elton out there. Yeah, but they haven't. Now, maybe that's just because he went out during the game and they're going to make that change. Okay, so let's let's put Elton there then. That makes the most sense. He he is our sort of number two right tackle, et cetera, et cetera. Fine. So who's going to be the left guard? Well, Elton is a left guard. After that was John Runyon. All right, so do we move John Runyon back there? So if you move John Runyon, who's going to be our right guard? Well, after John Runyon, it's Royce Newman. So... uh the only other alternative would be to, as you said, you could put Zach Tom at right tackle, but he hasn't done that all year. I just don't think that'll be the case. More than likely, what I think they might do is if they put Elton Jenkins at right tackle, they put Zach Tom at left guard because he would be our third left guard. It's been Elton Jenkins uh, and then John Runyon and then Zach Tom has been kind of the one, two, three at left guard for the team. Um so I don't really, and, and, and David Bakhtiari is going to make a, is going to be a question mark too, because if he doesn't play, well, who's backing up Bakhtiari? Well, it's Zach Tom. Well, Zach Tom's going to be left guard. Who's backing up Zach Tom? Well, it's Yash Nyman. Well, he's out. After that, the, the only other guy that's taken a snap at left tackle is John Runyon. So if David Bakhtiari doesn't play, then you can scratch Zach Tom. He's staying at left tackle. So then the question is, who plays right tackle? It kind of has to be Royce Newman. There really aren't any other options. Um, because if, even if you move Elton back there, what are we going to do at guard? Who's going to be the other guard? Jake Hansen is the only other guy I can think of. Jake Hansen is just yikes. I mean, unless we're going to uh, get Sean Ryan up, up the, uh, move him up and see if he's ready to go. I, I just, I... I don't know. So we'll we'll continue to track and see who's playing. Um, apparently, it sounds like pretty good news so far, but I don't I don't really know. We'll see about Bakhtiari and um, Yash, and uh, 
depending on who stays, who goes, that'll be obviously. We'll 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 kind of go from there. But yeah, I'm not entirely sure. Hey Ryan, Joe's janitor. Hey man, from Connecticut. Hey, what's up, bud? Well, what's up, bud? Packers going into playoff football and. Um, kind of worried about missing Christian Watson. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but right after his injury, the TV zoomed in to him. Another player looks like they went up to him and, you know, asked him if he was good. And he said, yeah, I'm good. I'm resting. You could read his lips saying, I'm resting. Okay. Like, um, clearly he wanted to go back in or he thought he was going to go back in, but uh, someone else, uh, the trainers or whatever told him differently. Uh, his, his injury is said to be a hip flexor, I think. I have no idea what that is, but it doesn't sound good. Uh, so maybe you could explain what that is. That'd be nice. No. And um, I had a thought that now that Nathaniel Hatchett got fired, which, sorry for him and his family, uh, but Maybe, maybe you could come back to Green Bay for a little bit this year, just to um, just to be like an assistant. You know, maybe we could create a position for him, like uh, red zone offensive or red zone assistant, and literally he just helps game plan for plays from the ten yard line. You know, red zone plays only. He just comes and helps game plan for that, and that's strictly what he does. We were a lot better in the red zone when he was there. Or maybe be the gold zone coordinator. Be uh, from the 20-yard line out. Game plan. It helped LaFleur game plan for that. I don't know. Just thinking. We've been pretty terrible in the red zone. Um, but, you know, Mason Crosby's been pretty clutch. Enough to thank. Congratulations to Crosby for number 256. Uh, yes, yeah, you touch on those things. Be cool. Biggest fan, fan. Shalom. Shalom. Um, yeah, I don't think we're going to be bringing him back um, at all, really, but definitely not uh, this season. By the way, we just got a uh, just saw the update here. Matt Lafleur on the practice status of the following players: Christian Watson will not practice. Keyshawn uh, Nixon will not practice. Doesn't know about Yash Nyman. David Bakhtiari will practice in limited fashion. So. Not great news for uh, Watson, that's for sure. As far as his hip flexor, I'm assuming that's just a muscle. I don't know exactly what's wrong with it, but uh, I have no idea exactly what the status is of his injury. Um, what else were you talking about? I think that's about it. I mean, I, I, I think I think Watson's going to play. I, I probably shouldn't say that because I don't. There's no reason for me to say it. I just it's just a hunch. I think he'll be okay. Keyshawn Nixon, I don't know. David Bakhtiari seems to be trending in the right direction. Um, I, I I have a hard time believing he's not going to play. And remember, this isn't his knee. This is this is a completely different situation for Bakhtiari, recovering from a, a surgery on his abdomen. And so I would assume, considering how serious surgeries are, having a big hole in your you know torso. Physically strenuous activity is not going to be allowed until you're able to do so. And there's really, I don't think there's much you can see. Um, you know, it's not like a knee where we're going to have you do limited work and then see how your knee's doing. Like, how are you feeling? Is it swelling? I'm not so, maybe that's, maybe that'll happen with surgery as well. I, I don't know. I don't think uh, stitches like, you know, swell. I, I, I have no idea. He probably doesn't even have stitches anymore. I don't know. I think he's going to play. By the way, I didn't realize how much nobody liked... I mean, I, I assume nobody liked basketball because it's terrible, but uh, I didn't realize how much less people like basketball than football. NFL and NBA viewership numbers for Christmas games. Packers-Dolphins, nearly 26 million people watched. Broncos-Rams, 22 million. Bucks-Cardinals, 17 million. The highest, the most watched NBA game on Christmas was Bucks-Celtics, 6 million people watched. That's one-third. The, the most-watched basketball game had one-third the viewership of the least-watched football game. Less than one-quarter of the... I mean, it's, it's Bucks and Packers. 
Six million people watch the Bucks. Twenty-six million people watch the Packers. <laughs> One of the comments says Broncos Rams got more viewers than all five NBA games combined. <laughs> Freaking Broncos! Somebody was like, "Yeah, well, it's December with playoff implications." Broncos Rams had playoff implications. Nope. Broncos Rams had more viewers than all the NBA games combined. That's hilarious. Anyways, I'll tell you what, we got one more call. Omar, I'm going to save it for tomorrow because I'm a little skeptical about the amount of calls coming in, and we already cracked the hour mark. So um, we're going to save that for next time. Thank you guys for your calls. And um, if you want to call in, 608 501 is the number to do so. Talk to you later. Have a good one. Bye-bye.